Thanks for downloading this show from PC One. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for ten dollars. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's mulch for just ten dollars. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through four seventeen. Not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on nineteen ounce pots. See store for details. U.S. only. Upside, the smart new way to buy travel is Upside.com. You save money and get a free Amazon gift card every trip you buy. Use the code Forbes and you're guaranteed at least a $200 gift card your first time using Upside. Save big on travel and get a big gift card, Upside.com. Minimum purchase required. See site for complete details. This is Forbes Under 30 on Podcast One. And I'm your host, Steve Goldblum. On the Forbes Under 30 podcast, we talk to young innovators, disruptors, and entrepreneurs. There's a chorus that consists of Muslims, Jews, and Christian youth singing together despite their differences. It's the YMCA Jerusalem Youth Chorus, and its director and founder, Micah Hendler, is joining us today via Skype. Micah, hello. Hey, Steve. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. Micah, I'm sure that you uh, bump up against this all the time. How do you warm up with the youth course? How do you warm up? What do you do? Well, we warm up with different physical and vocal warm-ups. Um, it's something that all choruses do, um, you know, because you have to tune in as a group and you have to tune into your own body, your own voice, and to the rest of the group before you can start singing things that are more difficult together. Um, or have any hope of doing so without hurting your instrument or without sort of having a proper sense of ensemble. Now, I've seen you address groups. Obviously, I've, I've looked up some video of you, and I've, I've seen you address groups in public speaking settings, and you'll encourage the crowd to kind of warm up and, do, and, and sing with you. And I wonder, do people dread that? I mean, do people – they kind of dread that, and then they kind of – start to it it works yeah you mean when when we're doing a kind of community singing thing in a in a presentation well you can kind of feel the collective groan when you come in and people don't know you and you're like hey we're gonna do things a little different today guys and then by the end of it you actually are engaging with people in a a really different way oh you mean with an audience like in a concert or in a presentation Uh uh-huh yeah, no, it's the kind of thing that I that I really love because it challenges – I mean if we're, if we're talking about music crossing boundaries and challenging boundaries, one of the things that I love more than anything is challenging the boundary between the performer and the audience. Right. There's such a – there's such an ingrained sense in our culture that people should either be professionals and sing or they should listen and not sing if they're not professionals and i think that singing is a fundamental right and a part of being human a part of being human with others that nobody should be able to tell you that you shouldn't be able to do that so people have in their heads a lot of people have in their heads that like oh i can't sing because like in middle school someone told them to stop singing because they were out of tune right. once but 
if you create an opportunity that sort of puts people on the spot, but in a supportive way with other people who are also feeling put on the spot, yeah. and then everyone's actually able to do it because I pick a song that's like pretty hard to mess up, right? then it's really empowering and people see that they are capable of more than they thought. And you like dispelling those conventions, like the idea of you're giving a presentation at a school, you don't want to just be like, it's my turn to speak and your turn to listen. You like Definitely this. not. Right. And you've seen and I I've seen it in your presentation work, but the the YMCA Jerusalem Youth Chorus. Yes. Can you tell me break down that group for me um in in terms of who how you curated that group who, who is it made up of? Sure. So the YMCA Jerusalem Youth Chorus is a chorus and also a dialogue program for Israeli and Palestinian teens, basically, from East and West Jerusalem. So, of course, in Jerusalem, you have two very, very different sides of the city, of the conflict, of narratives, of who has lived there, of what their family experiences have been, three different religious groups. So it's very complicated. And of course, socioeconomics on top of that and languages. Mm -hmm. You have Hebrew and Arabic as dominant languages, and most people in East Jerusalem don't necessarily speak Hebrew, and most right. in West Jerusalem don't necessarily speak Arabic. So you have this, this opportunity to bring people who otherwise normally wouldn't meet, certainly not wouldn't meet, they certainly wouldn't meet in a context where they could be friends, yeah, not in or even really have way. a conversation, yeah. and bring them together using music as a way of creating a sense of community and building friendships and a way of working together and dialogue as a way of using those relationships as a window into an alternate reality. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Small businesses are the heart of our communities. They're the places we could not live without. Whether you're looking to create a website for your business or a personal blog, you'll make a big impact when you build your site on WordPress.com. Even if you don't have experience building a website, WordPress.com can guide you through the process. They have hundreds of customized themes to get you started. You'll get built-in social sharing. And if you're on WordPress.com, you immediately have a leg up on everyone else when it comes to search engine optimization. On WordPress.com, you are part of a community with support 24-7 when you need it. So you can easily create high-quality content with no distractions and focus on running your business. Come see why more websites run on WordPress than on any other platform. Get started today with 15% off any new plan purchase. Go to WordPress.com slash Forbes to create your website and find the membership plan that's right for you. That's WordPress.com slash Forbes for 15% off your brand new website. WordPress.com slash Forbes. Like if I see things my way, because that's how I was taught in school and that's what my parents told me and that's what I learn when I go to religious services and then I'm talking to this person who lives a completely 180 degrees different side of the coin and they experience the same things from a completely different perspective and I know that they're not just like a propaganda machine because they're my friend. And then it's, it's a way of really opening up people's senses of themselves, of others, and of the world. You're reconstructing and a narrative. Exactly. 
and then combining all of that in the um, in the model with the common goal of a performing ensemble, which is, of course, to give a good performance right. together. Um, and that has the added benefit of also being a platform for spreading the message of the group through our performances. Can you give us a sense of how divided Jerusalem is? Basically, uh, East Jerusalem is, is majority Palestinian, West Jerusalem is majority Jewish, and these are vast majorities. Was the poet Amos Oz an influence for you at all or somebody that – like a a type of person that finds the shared sense of community and narrative and victimhood? Yeah, well, I think Amos Oz um, is is an inspiration just by virtue of his work, though I wasn't actually exposed to it much until after I'd already started the chorus. Mm. Um, But I think – I mean mostly I had – I had been exposed to both sort of the different elements of the chorus in my own life growing up. And then through pursuing the connection between these things, I saw that really starting a chorus like this with these different elements was what I wanted to do when I saw that they could be combined in a really powerful way. Let's talk about Seeds of Peace because the Seeds of Peace is a can't – you were 14, 15 when you were there? Yeah, well, I turned 15 in the middle of the session. Okay. Uh, so you're 15 at Seeds of Peace. And, ex- and explain what that's in Maine, right? It's a camp yes. in Maine. And why don't you tell us what it is? Sure. Seeds of Peace is a summer camp and a dialogue program for teens from conflict regions um, and also Americans um, and now also British folk, but not when I was there. And the idea of the camp is basically through normal summer camp experiences, through creating these kinds of friendships and relationships, combined with an intensive facilitated dialogue program that's the core of the camp experience, you create the same kinds of relationships and transformation that I was talking about in the chorus. Mm. And you, the idea of Seeds of Peace is to take sort of potential leaders from these different sides of, uh, of different conflicts and give them this transformative experience when they're young and able to change their minds or see things more broadly more easily when they're not as convinced that they've seen everything. And then the idea, the ultimate dream is that one day the sort of that the leaders of both sides or multiple sides of whatever conflict will both be Seeds of Peace graduates who will have this shared experience and shared language and shared identity that helps transcend the divisive national identities that they came with in the first place. Micah, when did you have the idea to form the the chorus? The more time I spent involved with Seeds, the more I saw that music played this same role even in that context where people are supposed to have nothing in common to build a sense of shared identity and community. And then I thought, wow, this is really what I want to do. I want to combine right. this musical power with this dialogue power and and do it in a performing ensemble because that was basically what I did throughout my life was sing in singing groups. Yeah. And um, and I thought Jerusalem was the place to do it. And that then actually became my senior thesis in college was can the model that Seeds of Peace uses where you have music and dialogue sort of working in parallel. And then I said, OK, can you take this model and apply it on the ground in Jerusalem in a sustained way? 
We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. I found the best way for you to buy travel. It's Upside.com. Here's why I really like it and why I tell everyone uh, I like it. At Upside, you save money on travel, and you get a free Amazon gift card worth $100, $200, sometimes even, uh, you know, $300 every time. You get savings and a big gift card free. Here's how they do it. Upside bundles your flights and hotel together for one low price. Bundling saves a ton of money, especially on business travel. So they give you an Amazon gift card. Your company saves money and you still keep all your miles. And right now, when you use the code Forbes, you're guaranteed a free $200 Amazon gift card your first time. The code Forbes gets you a guaranteed $200 Amazon gift card. How can you not do it? Upside, save big on travel and get a big gift card every time. Upside.com, that's Upside.com, minimum purchase required. See site for complete details. Well, it's interesting, Micah, because when I was 14, I begged my parents if I could go to a camp that focused on, you know, baseball, yeah. pitching. And I'm curious, what were you like at 14 where you, where you were like, you know what, I really want to go to a camp where we, 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 we focus on high conflict zones and perhaps we can bring Israelis and Palestinians together. I, think, I just think we were different kids. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, that was pretty weird and definitely – uh, not necessarily into what everyone else was into. Were you reading like Dennis Ross when you were at Sidwell? <laughs> no, definitely not. I was reading Harry Potter. Okay. But <laughs> I, um, but I, I basically overheard one. I was going to an arts camp because I was a singer, and I had overheard one of my friends um, who had been to Seeds of Peace talking about her experiences, and it just sounded so cool. Like the idea that you could have a place where people who are never supposed to meet could meet and be friends and learn to understand one another. And I just decided that I wanted to do that. So I applied the next day. And you, you know, explain to people about where you grew up because Bethesda is kind of an interesting place. I lived in DC for a little while and that's the Mm -hmm. only reason I know I'm actually Canadian, but the reason I know Sidwell friends is because it's a, it's a prestigious uh, school in DC where, you know, a lot of the president's kids have gone. What led you into Sidwell? One of the things that I liked about Sidwell um, is the fact that it also, you know, it's a very serious and very um, intense in many ways uh, private school where people are very driven to succeed. It's a pressure cooker. But in, in some ways, but I think it's less of a pressure cooker than it might be because of the values upon which the school is based, namely sort of Quaker values of simplicity and of uh, sort of sharing uh, sharing a sense of, of space rather than having to compete for it. Um, so there are things, obviously, it was super intense because we were teenagers who were all trying to go to good colleges and trying to do well in these hard classes. But grades were not public, for example. And like the colleges that people got into were like not public, you know, things like that, that like the school easily, there was no class ranking. At Sidwell. Mm, okay. So there are things that, you know, that could have made it a lot worse, I'll say. But I had a really good experience there. When you, skipping ahead to the, uh, you know, Jeru- to the Jerusalem Youth Chorus, when you go uh, a- a- and curate this group and fill it with Israelis and, and Palestinians who are involved, um, how do they feel? Like, how do you find common ground as an American Jew coming in? How did they respond to you? And like, where do you even decide to host this thing? Because even the location of that is, uh, I would imagine, controversial. 
definitely. Ultimately, it's a really good uh, a really good point that you that you're getting at, which is about identity and about how people perceive one another's identities, and how about how you perceive your own identity and how that impacts how people can relate to you. So I came to start the chorus. I am Jewish and I am American, but I didn't come as such. I came in my own head, at least as a bridge builder who had spent at that point um, like eight years studying Hebrew and Arabic, studying musics of East and West and trying to build a toolkit that would enable me to relate to everyone sort of at eye level um, as they were. And obviously, I'm not perfect at that. I'm still not fluent perfectly in Hebrew or Arabic. I still have much to learn about the various musical traditions and cultures that are present in Jerusalem. But it was it was enough to show that I had made an effort um, to really meet people where they were and not as somebody who was coming to turn them into something that they didn't want to be. Well, you do host this in – Is it in, it's in Jerusalem. Right. It's in Jerusalem and it's at the Jerusalem International YMCA, which is a super unique institution in and of itself. It's not your neighborhood YMCA. It's a beautiful historic building that was built in 1933, actually by the architect of the Empire State Building, um, who was working on them at the same time, which is right. kind of a fun fact. But it was built to be a place for people of all walks of life and all religions and all narratives to feel comfortable being together and living together. And it's been that way for more than 80 years. So the YMCA in in Jerusalem is really one of the few places in the city that people, both Arab and Jewish, can feel comfortable calling it their home. So that was a huge advantage in being able to create a sense that we're really creating a space for everyone. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This Forbes Under 30 podcast is brought to you by WordPress.com. WordPress powers 27% of all websites, including the Forbes Under 30 blog. Get 15% off your new website today at WordPress.com slash Forbes. That's WordPress.com slash Forbes. Describe for me the typical response, if there is a typical response, that you get initially from Israelis and Palestinians when you present this group. Well, I think it depends who I'm talking to and how I'm presenting it. So I'll say when I go to schools, uh, to schools in East Jerusalem or West Jerusalem, and I'm giving a presentation to high schoolers, from East and West Jerusalem because we recruit directly to the singers themselves. Like we recruit directly to the high schoolers themselves, not through their parents or through administrators. Obviously we sometimes have to go through administrators to get into the schools or we have to get the approval of the parents in order for the kids to be in the group, which is another story. But we ultimately, the, the, the primary person who decides they want to be in the group is the kid. We're going to these kids And I'm explaining that this is going to be the coolest thing they do in high school, that it's a chance to make new friends. It's a chance to work on different languages. It's a chance to sing. It's a chance to make music videos and travel the world and a chance to also learn from people who are different from you and also tell people from the other side of Jerusalem what your life experience is like and what you want them to know about you because they don't have a chance ever to, to hear from you. 
and we get a fair amount of interest. Obviously, there are people who aren't interested. There are people who say, oh, my God, I can't believe you're going to sing with blah de blah um, I can't, you know, aren't they all X or Y, whatever yeah. stereotypes, or just people who stay silent and don't sign up. But luckily, we don't need a group of a million. You right. know, we need a group of 30. You know, it's actually, it's, we've, every year we've had, we've had more singers than we have space for, and we have auditions and interviews to find the best group every year. Can you describe for me any of the tension that you've picked up on in the group and, and, and how it's informed your work? Sure. So, of course, in dealing with a group that's as complex as the one that we have, with as many layers of identity as we have, whether it's religious, uh, national, linguistic, uh, socioeconomic, gender, culture, all of those things are very complicated and interact in a very complicated way. So you can have something that's as simple as um, something as simple as where what activity we're going to do, or whether the group, for example, how we respect one another's religious religious needs. So, for example, if we're on tour and there are some kids who uh, are Shabbat observant, so they don't want to travel or spend money on Shabbat. It's not appropriate, or at least we decided it wasn't appropriate for the whole group to use that time to go shopping because then these kids would be left out. And then it became a whole thing about, well, why are you respecting their needs? And then people said, well, you're not respecting my needs as a Christian or as a Muslim in these other circumstances. Um, or then if we're going to do something that involves um, – involves certain languages or or sort of culture like culturally gender is dealt with very differently in in different societies that make up the chorus right. so hugging somebody even in one culture is like hey i want to be your friend and another culture is like dude i didn't tell you, you could touch me yeah you yeah. know so something as simple as that it's like how you even um, how you even interact with people um, across gender lines with all those different cultures and religious uh, needs is is very complex. And how about in terms of communicating, what language are you speaking to them in? Yeah, so we don't have a common spoken language in the chorus. There's no language that everybody speaks. I mean, I would say other than music, but I also wouldn't say that music is some universal language that everyone automatically speaks. Um, but that's – I digress – um, we, we run rehearsals in English, Arabic, and Hebrew, and we translate everything. That's fascinating. So you're toggling which takes, between It takes a lot of patience, yeah. but ultimately it's the only way for everyone to be included. And, and we had, you know, we had the opportunity. There are programs like Seeds of Peace. Seeds of Peace runs only in English, right? They decided that it was more important for everyone to be able to speak to each other without translation, to not have the sort of the feeling of, oh, maybe they're talking about me behind my back in a language I don't understand, whatever. They right. decided, you know what, it's important that everyone speak English. But in the chorus in Jerusalem, I made a different decision that we wanted the chorus to be open and accessible to everybody regardless of 
how good the school is that they went to, which basically would determine whether they spoke English or not. Yes. Um, and for everyone to be able to interact in their mother tongue. Um, and in dialogue, we have translators. And in rehearsal, I or some of the kids help me uh, translate uh, what we do. And that has actually, has A, opened up the group to people who otherwise wouldn't be able to come who contribute an immense amount mm -hmm. and specifically musically has really shaped what we can do as a group because often uh the palestinians who only speak arabic come from a much more traditional arabic music background which gives them an entirely different skill set musically than the kids who come from a more western music background who are generally the ones who speak english so even that, like it, it allows us to incorporate all kinds of improvisation and rhythms mm -hmm. and uh, an entirely different flavor musically that's a critical part of our sound that we would lose if we made everyone speak English. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. Today on Geffen Playhouse Unscripted, we are joined by actor, producer, director, author. What else can you do, Brian Cranston? I sweep floors. You do? And I load a dishwasher really, really well. Do you unload it? Not too many. Okay. Too many. <laughs> we could give you a job in our the house. The talent is loading it, not unloading. No, the talent is buying the dishes that fit together and not the dishes that I buy that don't fit in the dishwasher. Well, I could teach you how they can fit. Okay, All Brian, right. thank you. That's Brian Cranston on Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. Be sure to listen on Podcast One or through the Podcast One app and Apple Podcasts. FreshBooks is a ridiculously easy-to-use cloud accounting software for small business owners that saves you time and gets you paid faster. Now used by over 10 million people worldwide. For your 30-day free trial, go to freshbooks.com slash Forbes and enter Forbes under 30 in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Well, you can see how this is a transformative experience for those participating in the chorus. What is it like for the people in the audience, for their family members that come in? Is there tension there? Have you seen – what are the vast range of responses that you've seen? Well, generally the, uh, the responses that our audiences give us are really positive. People tend to be really inspired uh, by what we're doing just by the virtue of us, of us doing it. Um, because it's so often thought of as impossible. Just like the idea that you would get people, Israelis and Palestinians, to come together and do anything. Right. You know, generally is 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 certainly not the norm in Jerusalem, I'll say. And really I would say that the sort of the the narratives on both sides and the systems of power and the systems um, of separation that exist um, are all conspiring to prevent such, prevent things like the chorus from happening. Not specifically, they don't target the chorus, but they just they try to separate people, maintain a sense of us versus them, right, and maintain the set of sort of power relations of the status quo of you know who is in charge and who is not in Jerusalem. And so the very fact that we're even on stage is amazing. 
But then the music also challenges the way people think um, because we do incorporate all of these different musical styles and musical traditions and languages in the same song, let's say. Um, and because also we aren't just cute. But like we actually sound good, or at least right. we, we try to sound. You do good. sound sometimes good. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But um, you know, because that being said, obviously the chorus is not uh, an ensemble where everyone comes in knowing how to read music and being very professional. It's like a lot of people who come to chorus have never sung in a group before. But they've there's... never sung anywhere outside of the shower or like their family's like you know house parties or whatever mm-hmm. before. But so and you, the way you're selecting this group is 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 competitive, right? Not everybody gets in. You're still people yeah. apply. Definitely, definitely, and we do both musical auditions and um, personal and group interviews. So right. we want to make sure that the people who are coming will be able to support each other musically, and also that they'll be not that they'll all have the same political opinion because they certainly won't, and we right. don't want that. But that they'll come with an open mind. Well, that you... they'll come ready and 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 with an emotional maturity that we feel will not derail the group. You know that if they're too right. immature to be able to handle someone disagreeing with them, then dialogue is not going to go well for that person. Like we had somebody. One of the questions we ask is, okay, so someone, let's say someone says something that deeply like counters one of your like most important beliefs. Yeah, what do you do? And one guy was like, I would punch them, eh, you know, like mm-hmm. not the not the kind of person who should be in the chorus, you know, regardless of what the belief is. Um, but it's definitely not about bringing people who already agree because they definitely don't. Well, let me ask you this. So much of the problem, I imagine, is the different narratives and dissemination of news. Like these people are, re- are receiving news about themselves as vastly different, not unlike, by the way, in the United States. Correct. Where we're getting very different news on MSNBC versus on Fox. So how much is it an opportunity that you see for having them together in one space? And what are you doing with that time? What kind of discussions are you having outside of the chorus? Yeah, the, what you said about the news is really spot on. Um, it's one of the one of the most important functions of dialogue is really to go and address what's happening in the real world, to address like the headlines and to address the impact of the headlines on daily realities, which are also totally different. Um, and to really go into that and to argue and to fight it out sometimes verbally and to really understand at the end of the day that they disagree with me i totally disagree with them and but i can like maybe begin to understand why they think the way they do and even even if i don't we can still be friends and 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 the ability to hold those things in the same in you know in 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 your mind at the same time is really an important skill um, in order to be able to do any kind of conflict resolution. Um, yep. And the step beyond that, of course, is maybe even beginning to see things from their perspective. You know, that's kind of – and sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Sometimes the bridges are, are, are not wide enough to reach across the chasm between what you were taught and what I was taught or what you experience and what I experience. Um, but you know, we try, uh, but it's an important space. I'll give an example. 
Um, in the summer of 2014, uh, there was a period of heightened violence and right. war, um, and people, you know, youth from Jerusalem and the surrounding areas were being were being targeted and killed, and it was really intense. And Facebook was the worst place <laughs> to be. Like everyone was just because people react with anger, justified anger. And then just write whatever they're feeling on Facebook. And confirm their fears, right? Confirm their fears. And and people would see what their friends are writing on Facebook because they're Facebook friends and be like, how could you say that? Like, what about me? Someone's like, yeah, well, you know, if the rockets fall on whatever, then like that's justified. And it's like, but that could that could be me. Like, how can you say those things? Yeah. And ultimately, what was amazing is that the singers saw that this was a huge problem that was tearing them apart, and they said, we need more dialogue sessions. And we weren't planning – I mean our schedule hadn't been to have a lot of dialogue during this time. It was summer break. Um, But ultimately, we scheduled sort of emergency dialogue sessions so they could talk about these things. And one of the questions that came up was, for example, is the group – like is the chorus – like secret Facebook group where we post, you know, announcements or funny videos or videos of concerts, whatever, is that a place for politics or not? Right. You know, and that was a serious discussion that the group had and had to come to an agreement about how we were going to use our shared space. It is remarkable what people will say to each other online versus in real life. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, that that kind of dialed up rhetoric is much harder to do in uh... yeah if you're sitting and like t- looking at someone in the eyes particularly somebody who even if they're not your friend not everyone in the chorus is friends that's fine right but it's just somebody who you share something with or at least you know their name it's hard know? to and deny you, their humanity their face, yeah you know you're not going to just like unleash it at them in the way that you would when they're anonymous I mean, they're not anonymous. You know that their screen name is, and maybe you know who they are. But like on Facebook, you don't have to deal with the repercussions of what you say in the moment. That's right. So you're much more likely to be super extreme and not give it a second's thought. And then it's permanent. So then the thing that you said in the split second of anger becomes what people think you believe, like it for eternity. And so it's, it's, we try to create a, a personal space to kind of counter. Uh, that dynamic. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. A curious thing happened to FreshBooks on its way to becoming the largest cloud accounting software platform for small business owners in the world. As a company, they've managed to stay small while soaring to over 10 million users strong. Or is it the other way around? Has FreshBooks customers base soared because their company has stayed small? Named as a small giant on Forbes' list of best small companies this year, FreshBooks has been recognized for focusing on greatness over growth. By drastically simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, and delivering award-winning customer service that usually picks up in under three rings, FreshBooks has changed how small businesses' owners deal with their day-to-day paperwork – This is really only a fraction of what FreshBooks can do, and they want you to see more. To claim your 30-day free trial, no credit card required, just go to FreshBooks.com slash Forbes and enter Forbes under 30 in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And I imagine this serves as a reprieve of sorts for people to go, and it's an escape. In a a lot of ways, people – 
we've sort of passed the point where the violence makes people want to quit or makes people think that maybe the chorus is wrong and gotten to a point where in periods of violence, people want the chorus even more. They need it like more. the singers want it even more because this is their like oasis of sanity where people aren't sort of believing everything from one side or the other or aren't fighting all the time. Well, Micah, this is a it's a beautiful model that you've created, and I'm curious if you have plans to go to say Scranton, Pennsylvania, and create For a example, choir with like yeah. Scranton and then and, and with San Francisco uh, or something yeah. like that. I mean, because really, you could use this here in the United States, especially right now. Definitely, and I and you really hit the nail on the head because that's one of the things that's currently cooking in my in my head is how to take our model and apply it in the U.S. Because what we're dealing with now is, in many ways, uh, a rhetoric of conflict and divergent narratives and different sets of facts, even, that is is kind of astounding, you know, because we don't have decades of... uh, decades of violent ethnic conflict. Oh, wait, we do have a history of that. Anyway, so we it basically we're we're seeing now many many years um, of sort of built up differences that now are sort of coming up to the surface in a very similar way to the dynamics of the Israeli Palestinian conflict, and you see it on Facebook, you see it in the news, you see it um, in all the ways that you're talking about, and you see it even in ways that like. You know, people who 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 are like liberal saying like I don't have I, I don't know anyone who voted for Trump and conservatives being like I why would I like I don't know anyone who's like liberal and voted for Hillary or it's like there's such a difference um, and such a separation there and so what I'm thinking is really how to take our model and apply it in the best way and that might be to start a chorus um, between you know youth of urban and rural. Uh, uh, backgrounds in you know a place like uh, let's say Nashville that is right. like an urban center, but also surrounded by rural areas, um, and of course has such a history of music. Um, so like that's something I'm thinking about. Um, but it may also be that there are other models that would have a larger impact faster. Um, you know, maybe building a platform for this kind of a thing or creating a curriculum that choruses that already exist could adopt to enable them to really expand into a conversation about what it means to be in this country. Um, You have a lot of choruses that are doing work talking about – that are singing songs from diverse backgrounds and have kids from diverse backgrounds and talk about diversity this, diversity that, diversity the other, social change this and that and whatever. But they don't do any dialogue and they don't talk about it amongst themselves. Like so you can have a kid who's singing whatever freedom songs but have never actually thought about how it relates to them and whether it's part of their life or how it relates to the other kid over there who's like – parents were actually part of that like reality um and and i think that's an important thing is figuring out how to take existing structures and use them as vehicles for opening up spaces for conversation and dialogue and what would that platform do you suppose look like because that's that that seems like it would be very easy to scale uh i mean other than sort of cloning you 
and putting you around the world, uh, I, I guess the platform is probably the the right way to go. Right. What I'm currently thinking about is is a network of of programs and choruses that do this that don't weren't necessarily started for this purpose, but it could include choruses that are well established that decide to incorporate dialogue as part of their mission and model or choruses that are new and start up, you know, like I was talking about this uh, prototypical chorus in Nashville. Um, or um, I'm thinking what I would like to do ultimately is to do something even more than that, that, that can sort of reach out even beyond that. But I'm not sure. I'm still in the very much, I'm still very much thinking like what that is and what's the best way to reach the greatest number of people with the greatest positive impact in using the model that we have or some variant of it. So certainly if anyone listening has any good ideas or knows anyone who's doing this kind of work, I would love to be in touch. Well, we encourage people to comment. And I think uh, one of the exciting things that you've done is taken this course on the road. And yeah. uh, I, you, I believe you're on Colbert. Yes, we were on the Late Show with Stephen Colbert uh, two years ago, which was tremendously exciting and a really crazy experience because we found out that we were invited officially to be on the show um, about two weeks before the show. And we had to get a group uh, from Jerusalem to New York basically in that span of time. Right. So we had to do the fundraising because we had we don't have like a uh, – we don't have pots of money lying Wait, around. Wait, the late show as, wouldn't you know, fly uh, you out as a group? What? The Late Show would not fly the whole group out? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. So we had to basically fundraise to bring a small group on two weeks' notice in order to do the show. Ultimately, we made it happen because and, – and this is one of the things that's been amazing about the chorus is I feel like there have been a lot of opportunities like The Late Show that have kind of fallen out of the sky. People sort of rallied around us to, to make it possible. Someone donated a block of hotel rooms in Midtown. Someone donated uh, their photography skills. Right. Like we had – we sort of created something in a very short period of time and we were able to – um, take take the stage in in that kind of a way, and and that was really amazing. Micah, it's uh, it's an inspiring program that you've gotten off the ground. So congratulations to you. And if you want you. people listening for the listeners, what would you like them to take away? Where can they go to get involved uh, and uh, and participate in this? So that we just released our first album which is really, really exciting. It's a full-length professional studio album that we recorded in-house at the YMCA and um, and is produced by some of the best sound engineers in the business. And it is available on all of the audio platforms. It's called Home, 
or it's called rather in three languages, Beit, Home, Bait. And that's a great way to begin to sort of engage with our music, to see who we are, whether you whether you groove with it, whether you don't, um, and and to support us as well uh, in doing that. Um, in addition to that, we are working on a documentary. Um, so if there's anyone in the film world who's interested in, in, in learning more about that, um, we'd love to be in touch about that. And I would just sort of close with that what we're doing is something that everyone, no matter where you are, who you are, what kind of power you have or think you have or think you don't have, um, can take away uh, from what we're doing by one of the one of the songs that we sing on our album is a mashup that we do of four different pop songs that have a positive message and one of them is Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror. That's why I'm And of course, the idea that anyone can be a change maker and anyone has the responsibility to look at themselves and look at others differently and be the agent of change to 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 create a difference in the world. Um, I would say if we can do it in Jerusalem, it's something that anyone can take as a, as a message to their community. How do I relate to others um, and to the world, and how do I want to relate to others and to the world? All right. Thank you very much for doing this. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for this episode of Forbes Under 30. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us with a comment or question, please do so at under 30. That's the number 30 at podcast1.com. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. 
We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.